Bloody Arcade. I hope you're ready for a fun-filled day at Murder World, because I've got some killer events lined up. See how tense you are? This little vacation is just what you need. And remember, no one ever leaves Murder World unhappy, because no one ever leaves Murder World alive! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and I have with me Sir Brian Hughes. Howdy ho! And Lord Kirk Greenfield. Hi, good morning. We uh, This is kind of part two of our previous episode, because we're going to cover the sequel book. Uh, and Brian, do you want to tell us, or do you want me to tell the, the listeners what we're covering? Oh, I'm going to jump lifting. in right now, because I'm, I'm just excited about this. You know, like like last last episode, we were covering Marvel Team-Up 65, which was a team-up of Spider-Man and Captain Britain against... Well, and, and it was really Spider-Man versus Captain Britain for most of that, in, in true Marvel style, where they would fight each other, then realize, oh, you know, we're not supposed to be enemies, we, we should band together, and didn't know what they were banding together against. Because it was only at the end of the issue that they were captured by Arcade to be taken to Murder World. And that's where we pick up now with issue 66, where Spider-Man and Captain Britain go against Arcade and Murder World in Arcade's first full appearance in the Marvel Universe. Now, this Marvel team-up is different from virtually all the others in the fact that it's a continuation of the story with the same characters. Uh, it's always been a typical thing with Marvel Team-Up that each issue would switch over to uh, a new hero to team up with Spidey. And, and a, a good example of that was the whole Iron Fist story, Steel Serpent story conclusion that we covered a couple years back with Back to the Bins, where the first issue was Iron Fist, and the next issue, while Iron Fist was in it, it featured the Daughters of the Dragon, Clean Wing and Misty Knight. Uh, and then with the Equinox story, you had, what do you, I guess, what, Ant-Man and the Wasp? Or not, not Ant Man, but um, Yellow Jacket and the Wasp. Yellow Jacket and Spider Man, and then there was Human Torch, and then there was uh, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel. Um, well, same with the the two episodes we covered with Back to the Bins, where it started out with Havoc, and then it handed off to Thor, even though this yeah. one story. Yeah, exactly. It, it, so you know they they'd always done that done that kind of handoff as they switched characters for issues, but here we got Captain Britain for a full two issues. And it's a good story continuation. It's a good story altogether, I think. Um, what's funny is that, you know, when I read this, I always thought it was kind of, you know, this is Chris Claremont doing his take on Westworld. And <laughs> part of me is, you know, is, is more influenced by the later story he did in X-Men with uh, Dave Cochran on Cochran's second run. Because Banshee, uh, or Sean Cassidy, because he no longer had his superpowers at that point, uh, fought the Yul Brenner gunslinger character uh, from from Westworld. But in this one, there's really no no you know no real resemblance of uh, of Westworld at all. In fact, the one time that anyone comes up against any kind of Western character, it is Kid Cyborg, uh, obviously a robot like they all are, but. Not nothing like what you would see in Westworld, either the old version or the new one, which is really cool. Well, by the way. Yeah, I was getting a strong vibe from Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, or how, yeah. Uh, Scaramanga's uh, henchman um, <laughs> God, tattoo. Yeah, uh, tattoo. <laughs> tattoo yeah. Can't remember, I can't remember his name in the film. Yeah, yeah. Nick Nack. He would 
bring people onto the island to te- try to kill Scaramanga, and they had this elaborate kind of uh, fun house, fun house type setup, and they and that they had robot gunslingers or robot gangsters and things like that. So, uh, and that was seventy three. So mm-hmm. that could obviously that was only five years from the publication of this. This book, so that could have been an influence. Yeah, but it's definitely more influenced by the Who's Tommy and Elton John's Pinball Wizard and, and, and all that. Um, yeah, that's I think that's just a product of the time and arcades right. out but there. But you even exactly. have the, the giant pinball machine, which was you know something that, that, that Tommy... I, and again, I have not seen the movie Tommy, except that when I went to see... We saw um, at a, a drive-in theater... I want to say we saw Jaws and the Iger Sanction together, and wow, Tommy was playing on the other screen. And so every now and then I would look back at the other screen to see what was going on, and I saw all these giant pinballs and you know different things in there. So that, that's the imagery I remember, but I don't know really a whole lot about the movie, which is sad because I like the Who's music. But uh, yeah. cultural touchstone, you owe it to yourself to watch it, but prepare to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's not quite as big as as its reputation might yeah. uh, press. The the rock opera, the music is spectacular, but the visualization, you, you kind of you're following the story, but it's not terribly deep. And it's like, you know, once you're done with it, you'll say there's that's you know two hours of my life I'll never get back. Yeah, um, I, I think that I suffer a little bit of the Mandela effect when I when I'm sitting there and thinking back on it that it it, was, it seemed much larger than life. I, I yeah. just see like smoky uh, imagery with gigantic pinballs all stacked up, but then I also conflate it with the uh, Horta eggs from the episode Devil in the Dark of Star Trek, <laughs> and sure. so you know there's you know all that going back and forth. Um, you know, Paul Wizard with with Elton in his oversized shoes. I mean that's great. But in that's not the entire picture. That's yeah. just one guest star who pops in and pops out. Right, right. Because yeah, do see it, but we'll talk about it another day. Yeah, we will. I, I do want to change subjects here for uh, something uh, a little rough. And um, but uh, yesterday we found out that a friend of the show, Stephen Wilcox, uh, he, he's uh, the 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 what do you call it, administrator or whatever, of the uh, Facebook group Burn Victims. And he's also uh, an incredible artist in his own right. Uh, but his house burnt down Friday night. Uh, his, his family's house burnt down. And it's a total loss. Uh, the family got out. Unfortunately, all their pets perished uh, oh in, in, in the this? fire. That's terrible. And, and, and not only that, but his I believe his comic collection... And his uh, current artwork projects mm. and 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 such, anything that wasn't saved up to the cloud is is lost. Um, there is uh, a GoFundMe set up for that, and uh, we're going to put the link in the show notes if you guys have uh, no objections. Um, no, I have, no, I think that Steve has been a behind. great advocate of the show, and he's a good friend and. Uh, you know, I just uh, my heart goes out to him and his family. Uh, it's you know, it's it's he's had he's had as all artists at this point, you know, have in, in the work for our higher world, um, you know, have been suffering a, a hard time during the pandemic and uh, not being able to get out to shows as often, you know, conventions and whatnot to do their work and 
get that uh, that instant uh, payoff. Uh, you know, so he's had a pretty rough time, and this it you know just compounds it. So hopefully okay. things will work out. Hopefully insurance will help out, and the GoFundMe will uh, also help. But okay, yeah, Some, somebody's thump. Oh, that is, that is that, there. That's probably me. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, you know, just uh, that 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 really gets me. But uh, you know, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to other things, current events. And Tim, I think you said we had an email. We have an email, a very current email from. Let me get my email opened up. Uh, Nigel Spank, who is our right now our most prolific emailer. He is the, uh, he is the is, TM Maple of Third Degree Burn. <laughs> yes. Uh, and this covers, and this is the reason why we're reading it now, is it covers our previous episode, which covered kind of part one of the story. So we're going to read this before we dive into part two. Well, right. dig in. Uh, Dear Brian, Tim, David, John, and Kirk, cameo appearance. <laughs> 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 Rural Britannia, great rousing intro music and much appreciated by this British expat. Marvel team-up number 65, first appearance of Captain Britain in an American Marvel. Love the Perez cover, although it wasn't so obvious, as was pointed out, probably due to uh, Joe Sennett's inking, which is great, but gave uh, gave it a little of the house style at the time. As for Captain Britain himself, I remember when Marvel UK launched his own title in the 70s. I read some of the early stories, and while I was pleased that Marvel had created a superhero just for us, I was never impressed by the stories, artwork, or villains created. Also, for me anyway, I never saw Bertan as a as a place where Marvel-type stories about a single hero would work too well. With the exception of the parts of London, there was no city or town which had the high-towering buildings like New York, Chicago, or even Metropolis at the, at the time. So I gave up on Captain Bertan until I saw him in this issue, Marvel... Uh, team up 65 then later i finally caught up with his uh, british exploits from the creative team of claremont and davis sporting his second costume which he wore in excalibur on the subject of cap's uh, costume in this issue i always thought it was quite good including the yellow uh, lion rampant the full face mask looked cool and brian i laugh at the covid joke thank you thank but you with much. the open <laughs> but with the open hairdo he stated a trend that Cyclops would later follow. He started a trend that Cyclops would later follow. Enjoyed the first appearance of Arcade at Heathrow Airport, although I was always I always thought this page was from my Captain Britain issue and not Marvel Team-Up. My old mind getting confused, I guess. LOL. When talking about Captain Britain's origins and choosing the ambulance, someone mentioned that there was a second Captain Britain who, who chose the sword over the amulet. This was a female called Kesley Lee, who took up the mantle from uh, Brian Braddock to help him defeat Morgan Le Fay. She later joined the Avengers in Volume 3, Number 81, from 2004. And finally, of course, uh, that great <laughs> slang ending as our heroes get <laughs> carted away with the, or should that be, uh, or should that be as the garbage to the murder world. Can wait to hear a review of Marvel Team Up 66, Nigel Spakes. P.S. Just to clear up any uncertainty, this is my real name. Okay. Nice, nice email, uh, yeah, Nigel. Thank you very much, Nigel. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, that that that's my bad in previous emails referring you to to you by the other name. If you want to know what that is, you have to go back and listen to the other episodes. Yeah. I'm, I will not utter it here. <laughs> we'll just we'll, yeah. we'll just say this that we, there may be some 
surprises for Nigel in the future. Yes. We've got some things in the works. Tim, before you drive us all crazy, explain to those of us who weren't here last time why you say Britain instead of Britain the way that it should be. I don't know. I think I've just somehow my brain that's, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's you and Magneto. Could be. Yeah, that's it's exactly the way I looked at it, and I was not. I, I think I, I tried correcting it once, and I, I will not do it again. All right. Because I've been wrong Let's in the roll. past myself. <clears throat> okay. Um, what else? There was something else I thought I was going to say. I mean, not a whole lot going on outside in the world right now. I know that. Um, let's see. There's not even any any movies that are out right this minute that are really really big on our radar. So I guess we. What? The biggest thing is the Thor trailer yeah. mm-hmm. dropped Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, and I just kind of, I mean, I've loved uh, the MCU stuff, and the second Thor movie, while it was is probably the least favorite of the Marvel movies of the the, the regular MCU movies, this one kind of gave me a oh feeling about it. You know, just it didn't strike me in any way. Maybe I need to watch it again or, or something. I just uh, didn't get a whole lot out of it. Talk about uh, the new one or the the, 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 the Thor Love and Thunder? Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. no, the Love oh. and Thunder. Um, the Dark World was the one that uh, that that I, I find to be my least favorite. I really love Ragnarok. Um, it, it, it is just a, yeah. a, a the thing is for the most part Ragnarok is an incredibly fun movie, but it's also got some of the the worst tragedy as well. And uh, I, I, it's a it's a good balance of, of that from Taika Waititi. And isn't Taika Waititi the director of this one, Love and Thunder? Yeah, he is. So, He's also, I believe, the writer. Yeah, so I, I mean, the thing is, I'll probably enjoy it a whole lot. I've enjoyed everything else he's done uh, that I've seen. Uh, now, I will have to go and watch Jojo Rabbit, which I haven't checked out yet. Um, I hear it's good. I hear I hear it's really good, and so that's you know something I've got on my, my radar. Um I have been watching a new series, and I, I think it's on Paramount Plus or Amazon. It's a Tokyo Vice, and um, that it's uh, it's a, a very interesting series uh, put together. I th- I want to say Michael Mann helped put it together. Um, he did the f- he directed the first episode, and if y'all don't know Michael Mann, he directed probably one of the greatest cop dramas ever in Heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. But that was 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, he's he did a lot of Miami Vice back in the day and uh, directed a couple other really uh, uh, decent movies. He did the ver- the first work with Hannibal Lecter in the movie Manhunter, which was remade as uh, Red Dragon with Ed Norton later. But um, and, and He also did Thief with um, James Caan. James Caan, which is a great movie. Yeah, and that, that movie, I think, introduced us to Jim Belushi. Um a very, James, uh, very yeah yeah James young, yeah young James Belushi yeah, yeah. Um, so so Michael Mann's got an interesting interesting career but this one here it takes place in 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 Japan obviously and um, it's got Ansel I, I think his last name is Egbert uh, it, you might remember him from movies like Baby Driver and he was in the uh, Divergent series of movies um, and then um, the other actor is uh, the golly. He was in Inception. He 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 played the uh, the fake Rashad Ghoul in Batman Begins, um, and I just can't remember his name for the life of me. But uh, it's a, is this an import or is this uh, a U.S. produced show? It's U.S. produced, but it is filmed in Japan. 
cool. And to check that out. And it, it basically uh, Ansel plays a um, a reporter fresh out of college who's in Japan and he's trying to get inside with the police and the yakuza. And this is based wow. on a true story uh, that that happened back in the late 1990s. And so the show takes place then. And it's just very... It, it, it reminds me a little bit of Black Rain, the, the Michael Douglas movie directed That's by... That's what I was thinking. Ridley, Ridley Scott. It. Yeah, uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Um, but again, it, this, this is based on True Story, and it's very interesting. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, so if if, uh, if you like that kind of cop drama, uh, give it a give it a look. Uh, or I did you watching Outer Range with Josh Brolin? Uh, I, I, I've not seen that. I heard about it. Uh, Josh Brolin was recently on. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That it's kind of sci-fi western thing. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Josh Brolin was on Hot Ones, the YouTube series where they eat hot wings. And um, I was addicted to that show for a while, and, and went through its entire library uh, during you know the more uh, lean times of uh, of material. So, uh, but yeah, I saw Josh Brolin on there. Uh, he's really, I mean, again, you think of him as Thanos, and then you see him in real life, you go, wow, he slimmed down. But no, he really hasn't. He's just normal, <laughs> his normal well, size. It, it's not, it's not bad. It's a little. It, I think it. Well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's watching. I think it's a little. Um, it, it has some of the lost symptoms to it that it presents a lot of stuff, doesn't explain a lot of stuff. So you're left wondering, and then you're wondering if they are going to explain anything at the end. So, but he's good in it. It's interesting. It's kind of Yellowstone meets The Outer Limits or The Twilight Zone. What's it called? Outer Range. He's a cattle farmer on in Wyoming, and some strange things starts happening. Yeah. So, shall we get into the book? Yeah, because, um, yeah. I mean, the only other things we'd have to talk about is, like, Ezra Miller, and I really don't want to get into that. So, <laughs> let's yeah, take a look. Marvel Team-Up, number 66, uh, published by Marvel. Cover date of February 1978 with an on-sale date of November 22nd, 1977. Had a cover price of $0.35. Cents. Um, that wasn't new. And a page count of 32... Title is Murder World. Two words. Murder World. I always thought it was one word. I was surprised. A uh, 17-page story that features Spider-Man and Captain Britain. Writer Chris Claremont. Penciler John Byrne. Inker and colorist Dave Hunt. Letterer Tom Orzachowski. Edited by Archie Goodwin. Now, this is actually one of those points I wanted to bring up last time and I forgot. Is that... The the weird thing, you know, these days, well, not I don't know about these days, but, you know, in, in most of the Marvel time, all the Spider books were usually under one editor because, like, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man, later Web of Spider-Man, were all under, you know, then editor, whoever that was. Currently, in, at least in, in 1977, Amazing Spider-Man and Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man were under... Len Wein, who was not just the writer, but the editor of Amazing Spider-Man, and so he, you know, had a lot of power, and was the one that was actually holding back characters, preventing them from being able to use them in books like uh, Marvel Team Up or any other non-Spider-Man book where they wanted to use a Spider-Man villain. Um, so, but so Archie Goodwin is actually the editor here, 
Uh, let's see. The cover was done by John Byrne, but inked by Frank Giacoya. And with this having the cover date of February 1978, the books that also came out worked on Byrne at this point was Power Man number 48, uh, sorry, 49, Seagate is a Lonely Place to Die, and Uncanny X-Men 109, Home Are the Heroes. So this is right after Byrne has started his, his famed run on X-Men. Um, and so you just think about that. He's penciling three different books uh, at this point in time. And even on the X-Men with that one, I don't think that he was getting uh, co-plotter credit. I'm going to have to take a look at that. But uh, he was just, I think, the art artist on that. And I don't want to say art robot because, they, you know, they were still working the Marvel method. But uh, vamp for a second if you can because while I'm looking. Well, I'm sure he had input, but until he started contributing story ideas he probably wasn't given co-plotter credit but i'm sure all artists have some kind of input well to... yeah because right now it shows chris claremont as author and john Byrne as artist terry austin as inker so now that right there is a um that that is a difference in the title because they normally you would say you know writer and penciler but by doing his author and artist they're still kind of graying the lines of you know his responsibilities where in this book here um it basically it's same thing chris claremont author john Byrne artist and dave hunt gets the dual um credit of inker colorist so maybe it's just still saying that he's the penciler and nothing more because yeah yeah and i don't know who makes that if somebody knows please write in who makes that decision whether they're called penciler or artist Sometimes I've seen it as, instead of anchor, I've seen it as embellisher or embellishments by, uh, you know, is it writer, is it art, art, you know, writer or author here? Maybe, you know, do, who decides that? Is the, does the the writer decide that or does the actual letterer Well, Archie Goodwin was that? also editor on the X-Men at the time. And so I, I think that it's going to go down to Archie Goodwin there. Maybe it's up to the, maybe it's up to the person. They might say, I want to be credited as... A penciler, I want to be credited as the artist. Right. And they, they'll say, okay, I'll credit you however you want. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Excuse me. Uh, just uh, let me get that belch out of the way. <laughs> and let's get into the synopsis for this. Uh, I pulled this from the Marvel Wiki. I thought it was um, pretty decent, though not necessarily the best written. So I will stumble at points and, and try to correct uh, Spider-Man and Captain Britain wake up to find themselves trapped in gigantic transparent spheres that act as pinballs for part of Arcade's Murder World, a gigantic and lethal amusement park that he uses to murder the people he has been hired to carry out. That's a horrible sentence. Inside his control room, Arcade boasts to his assistants, Miss Locke and Mr. Chambers, about how the Magia offered to pay him a million dollars to eliminate Captain Britain. Simultaneously, misspelled, he sets his balls in motion in a gigantic pinball machine with electrified bumpers and a spike pit at the bottom. As Spider-Man and Captain Britain are jostled around, Spider-Man almost gives up, but finds renewed strength by thinking about Mary Jane. Smashing himself free, Spider-Man then breaks Captain Britain out of his ball just before he can roll into the death pit. Arcade next unleashes his Doom Ball, a giant pinball that protrudes massive spikes as the two... Again, 
This is crazy. As the two heroes are rooted to the spot, the ball suddenly disappears and trap doors open beneath them, sending them down slides to two separate rooms, while Spider-Man has to face off against a cowboy-themed robot called Kid Cyborg. Captain Britain, Britain finds himself in a more elaborate trap. At the end of a hall of mirrors, the captain sees a gigantic treasure scoop game with Courtney Ross trapped inside in a in, inside a clear cylinder. Rushing to the controls to save her, the captain finds that the mirrors create robot duplicates of himself fashioned after distorted reflections. He fights off the robots and continues his way to the controls. Meanwhile, Spider-Man makes short work of Kid Cyborg Robot and finds himself assaulted by a holographic projection of a war zone. Finding the room's wall, Spider-Man rips his way through the metal panels and crawls his way through Murder World's inner workings. Unsure how to sabotage Murder World, Spider-Man takes some advice he got from the Thing and just starts tearing the place apart. Captain Britain finally gets to the controls and notices that Courtney is running out of air. Just then, the door slams shut and the room begins to fill with water. Tactics at Arcade is implemented to make the rescue more of a challenge. Spider-Man manages to get himself to the main hallway, and Arcade, not wishing to get caught, opens the sliding panel revealing Captain Britain's plight. Spider-Man rescues him from the flooding room, and they both work together to free Courtney. Arcade then attempts to gas them, but the damage that Spider-Man has done to the controls causes the control room to short out and set off explosions all over the facility. With Arcade's threat over, Spider-Man, Captain Britain, and Courtney Ross make their escape and find themselves exiting a manhole in New York City. They're spotted and picked up by Gene DeWolf, who explains that they learned from Interpol that some top men in the Magia put a hit on Captain Britain. She explains that someone killed the Magia bosses afterwards, and once they learned a plot against Captain Britain, Interpol contacted the New York police. After all the explanations are made, Jean then allows Spider-Man to go free. Meanwhile, back in Murder World, Arcade, Miss Locke, and Mr. Chambers assess the damages. When Chambers asks what they're going to do next, Arcade simply laughs it off and tells them they're going to rebuild a new, more elaborate Murder World than before, Having so to have a rematch against Spider-Man. The end. I noticed there also uh, there is a web well, uh, excuse me a letters page web zingers, and their letters published from Wallace L. Hopkins, James L. Blocker, Jim Daly, Randy Evans, Emmy Robbins, and Mark Paragord. Now I recognize the name Jim Daly. I don't know from where, but uh, that one seems to stand out to me. Do you guys like it? Hello. Did I lose you? Yes. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I was caught up by looking at the book. Okay. Yeah, I thought this book was a lot of fun. A lot of action. A lot of uh, there's some actual stakes involved, and you get uh, a really nice introduction to Arcade and the kind of stuff that he apparently he's been running this murder world, I guess. And and it seems like from the dialogue that maybe these are the first superheroes he's had here. He's used to just regular folks. This is a um, this is a guy that is you know in need of a of adrenaline rush all the time, and once he gets accustomed to something, he just wants to up the stakes more every time. So he started off as a hitman, an assassin, and he got bored just doing standard hits. So he you know used his money to create this gigantic underground amusement park in New York City, right there under the city, unbeknownst to anybody. There it is. And but they know what they know about it now. Yeah. <laughs> well, do they? I mean, the thing is, it, it all blew up and is destroyed. And I'm sure they're going to build a new one, but they're not going to build it in the same place. Uh, well, he has he has apparently from his history he has several murder worlds throughout. Uh, 
He's had him on Coney Island. He's had it on an island in the Caribbean, I think. He's had him in uh, London or in England somewhere. So he kind of wherever he he sets up his uh, his little his little base. But yeah. this is just one of the myriad of you know the the thousands of hidden hideouts and other secret places that are under Manhattan. Yeah. Now, did we ever determine who does the large uh, word? You know, like the the schlangs and sploings and all that. Do we ever determine is that the artist or is that is that the letterer that's doing all that? And I, I would say it's the letterer because I've never. If you ever look at like artist editions of stuff, I've never seen an artist pencil that out. And, and I ask that because in, in this particular issue, they are a character amongst themselves. They are they they stand out everywhere they are, but in a really really good way. Great. Uh, effect sounds um, all over the place, and some of them d- that have have very interesting things. And there's some interesting points in all this one. Um, the the one complaint I kind of have with this is, and I you know it's not necessarily his fault, but it, and it's in the coloring of it. Uh, and I just it, it, this particular issue does seem to show the limitations of a four color book. Like if you look at that, it's like I think page three and four, the full double page spread of the the pinball machine and arcade putting them into it, and it, it just seems so limited by the colors that you know are on the palette. And hey, well, okay, in this case, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, go ahead. I, I, I noticed something here. If you look over on the the right side of that image, the the backdrop of the where it says murder world and you've got the guy with the knife and the girl there with her hands up to her face and you can see the lace around her wrist and then lace around her neck kind of the lady die look Mm -hmm. it's not on her left wrist you're correct yeah it's that's yeah but also the guy trying to stab her's got lace around his wrists both of them Uh, he's supposed to be like you know that frilly type of this is kind of a almost like a Jack the Ripper type guy. Yeah, but he looks like so more like he's a, got a knife and a noose. Yeah, he looks more like a cartoony um, Punisher crossed Ringmaster. Yeah, he does, look, he does look a lot like the Ringmaster. Because uh, if you ever saw the 1989 version of the Punisher starring Dolph Lundgren, the only place where they would allow a skull to show up was on the back the, the back end of his knife. And it's, uh, it's been so long since I've seen that film. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> It was it was so bad, but uh, again, you know, the imagery in here is cool. The burn tech is is you know burns you know normal normal burn tech, which is always awesome. Um, and then of course the action when you see Spider Man and Captain Britain get knocked around by the pinball machine, and you can hear, I can hear those bumpers all ching 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 ching, and uh, as as they get knocked around, of course the the only thing that that's not quite right and this is on page six is where spider-man goes up and gets hit by one of the flippers as he's still in the ball and you can barely see at the bottom of page six in the middle panel the spikes that are set up at the bottom of that uh the dead ball slot oh i never noticed that i thought that was stuffed up as shading you're right yeah but uh, my my quibble is if these Whatever these spheres are in are either glass or acrylic from the way they seem to be. They're transparent in the way they shatter. 
Well, that's not conduct electricity. So I don't know what he's created these things out of it there because he says they're getting shocked when they hit these bumpers, like a low-level uh, electrical charge. So he's made some type of conductive, clear, maybe it's transparent aluminum. Or maybe it's just like a screen door kind of, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But it, no, it's, it, that's an interesting point. But again, this is Marvel Universe, so anything is possible. Yeah. Unstable molecules. There you go. You know, these these sound effects, bizarre, bazing, thock, um, brash, they're, they are so integral to the artwork. I think that Byrne has drawn them in. I, I think I, I'm, I'm kind I of with that mind myself, yeah. Because they're so so well placed, they're so uh, so integral to it. I just don't. Yeah, I don't think it's been added after the fact. I think it's well, it's right. In this case, you may be right, Kirk. Maybe he is because they are part of. They are very much a part of the. Um, it's not just an overlaid sound effect. It's in some cases it's actually part of the artwork. So yeah. Now, the next page really kind of had me scratching my head a little bit in that, you know, Spider-Man's sitting there and he's like, nothing's happening. And he, he's just sitting there. It almost sounds like he, he's giving up. But then, of course, he thinks of Mary Jane and, uh, you know, decides, you know, he's going to fight back. And I was like, you know, I mean, again, I didn't get this issue when it first came out. Um, like the like the one previous, I had a, a, a thing because of my brother. And, and that you, if you want to know about that, you have to listen to the last episode. But um, it, I thinking about that time, that was when I was, I think, in seventh or eighth grade, uh, probably seventh grade or sixth or seventh grade. And my memory was that Mary Jane had gone off to Florida at that point because Peter had proposed and she'd said no and left. And so I was like, what the the heck is he talking about? But I went ahead and pulled up the Amazing Spider-Man issues from around the same time. And yeah, Mary Jane was actually still around. So I've got my my timetables off, but it pulled me out of the story. But that's just me. That's, you know, again, that's my thing. That's my own uh, Mandela effect, I guess. Well, they easily could have substituted Mary Jane here for Aunt May. And, it, and, and that would have made more sense effect. because the the story that was going on in Amazing Spider-Man at the time was another Aunt May is dying storyline. <laughs> so and Mary Jane's time. by her side waiting for Peter to come, you know. So uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's the thing. It's like, why didn't they do that? But, you know, again, you know, potato, potato. But it, it, it is good action here. And again, you know, uh, like I said, the 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 uh, sound effect lettering is its own character here. And, and yeah, the more I look at it, the more I think it's got to be Byrne doing those. Uh, I think you're you're definitely right there, Kurt. Um, but I like how Spidey and and Captain Britain work together. But I have no idea how them together smashing the same spot would break the ball. It seemed to me that they would need to smash it in, in separate spots to create enough pressure on the ball to cause it to shatter. I think they just knock each other out if they were hitting all up there hitting themselves head on. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Because Spidey is basically throwing the ball up in the air and as it's coming down, they're both focusing on the one spot and the cam. Yeah. And of course he gets out and they're able to, to compare notes before the spiked ball comes. And the spiked ball could have killed him. That would have been it. But no, Arcade had to play with them a little bit more and cause the trapdoors. But again, well, and it doesn't seem like this ball is. This almost seems like it's a, a hologram or an illusion yeah. because. Well, I don't see how that uh, would have been rolling on on the on the floor <laughs> with the when the spikes come out. You know. Yeah, it, it would probably stop. Yeah. It would have to or bounce up in the air and then land on them. So yeah, but uh, this would be imagery I would love to see 
uh, in a movie. And we'll talk more about the, the ideas behind that after, after this is all done, because this, of course, is in the realm of the incredibly bizarre that you just, you know, probably, you know, like, like the 60s Batman stuff. Where you just wouldn't want to see something like that in movies today. I was I was gonna I was gonna say this feels like the kind of traps that you would find on the a '60s Batman show. Mm-hmm. That's um, what I was just with a better special effects budget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and and of course when the when the spiked ball comes out, it's got bachung, which I think is a really cool sound effect. Um, and of course you see the arcade is just really really getting into this. Um, get, you know, getting into it. He's he's challenged for once, and so therefore it's getting him excited. Um, the creepy faces of the uh, on the slides where the, where Spider Man and Captain Britain get uh, the, the trapdoors come out from under, and they get they go down these slides and come out, and the creepy faces where they come out the mouths are really uh. <laughs> yeah, it's it a really like, good effect. It works. It looks a little yeah, it looks a little like uh, the world of Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. The afterlife, yeah, that kind of bizarro type. Um, and in fact, it's interesting he splits them up so that they, each one of them has to, of course, him knowing that. Uh, and I guess this um, uh, Courtney is from Captain Britain's yeah, own book, and that's that's one of those things that most, if anybody knows the Captain Britain history, and and I'm not a scholar on it, but I know that her backstory got twisted around and changed. So much, like, you know, and again, it's Chris Claremont, so everybody's got to be everything. And it's kind of like what they did to Marcy Kane in the Jack of Hearts storyline um, that started out in Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man and went off to other books. But that was a Bill Mantlo thing, I believe. But, um, yeah, so she's she's one of those characters that she was uh, the, the, the love of Captain Britain's life back then, but he's virtually forgotten all about her uh, in the, in, by the time we see him with the X-Men. Well, yeah, he. I, I think she, they become involved, and then when he shows up again, and it's either Excalibur or later, he is he had when he had fallen in love with uh, Megan, and they kind of reconnect as friends. And then spoilers later, she's she's killed by a a duplicate of hers from another universe or something like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah, again, a Claremont. Let's duplicates of existing people to come in and. Uh, well, now we know where Jet Li's the one got its in, in that's inspiration. That's right. That's right. What I find interesting is the first time they actually show her on page fourteen is that her skirt is lifted up, so you get to see some thigh. I think that's thigh. Yeah, yeah I think her. I, I was looking both see in, ripped. in the in the original scan and then the the Marvel team up uh, trade uh, to see what, what 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 that was because it just seems so unusual, and I don't know why you know Byrne had to do that. It's just an odd choice. I don't know. I, I'm assuming it's because if you call it that blue, that doesn't make sense for that to that area to be like that. I think maybe we see her later when you skip ahead. Yeah. And uh, we don't really see her again. Now she's, she's wearing, she's wearing a long skirt. Yeah. yeah. But it looks like it is split when they jump through the, when they're gassed and she jumps in, you can see it's kind of got a split up the middle or up the side. Okay. But, so it's just a, 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 a choice. A fashion choice. Yeah, it's a fashion choice. Yeah. And Byrne was always up on the latest fashion, so that's you know. So uh, of course, Captain Britain goes running by the Carnival mirrors as he's going to get to the controls. Now, uh, now when I read this, I, I as I see that you know the the claw and everything, I'm thinking about Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> 
and the claw. <laughs> but well, these funhouse mirrors, Byrne loves to do this. You've seen him do it several times. He loves doing kind of a this is kind of a a cartoony distorted version as he's running by you see all the different he wants wasn't that from the, looks, the, the x-men story that was not too long afterwards where they also went to murder world that's the first time i saw arcade that would be like Maybe. x-men 122 i think yeah yeah and uh yeah that's that's definitely uh that and i and and so i'm like yeah yeah he did it but he yeah, he did it there and so it makes sense that he had that it's an effective gag or it actually would be in 123. Isn't that a, a, a cameo with uh, Spidey in it where he says, I recognize that Spitang. Yeah, the schlang. Schlang! <laughs> yeah, but he's not part of the story. That's just a side element, right? Well, he also was able to call uh, somebody and warn them, if, if I remember right. Okay. Well, I think that's what, yeah, because at the end of this story, Arcade kind of vows vengeance on Spider-Man because he destroyed his 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 murder world and then i think later he he somehow gets spider-man and the x-men back to murder world yeah and that's the x-men story and it was wolverine that wound up going against the the mirror image versions of himself but cyclops that uh saved him in all that before he got waylaid by a twisted colossus (laughs) but uh the there is one interesting thing when, when Captain Britain, you know, takes his first swipe at the, uh, or no, one of the uh, one of the mirror images takes a swipe at him. The sound effect is brow. Yeah, I don't know. brow. Okay, brow. I don't get that. That guy looks like Charlie. Who's Charlie Twenty Seven? Yeah, Who's the Charlie Twenty Seven the... from Guardians of yeah. the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting Burns' perspective on it, but you know, Captain Britain punches a hole right through the guy. Bash. He's kicking him. Oh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, to me, him. it looks like yeah, he's, he's yeah, you're kicking right. he, him in the crotch. He did kick him. <laughs> oh man, flashback! I watched the movie Nobody last night with Bob Odenkirk, and yeah, it just uh, vicious. That was a fun movie. It's, yeah, it's not bad. And then uh, as he rips the guy off that's wrapped around him like Mister Fantastic with a, a lovely scrip. Oh yeah, these are definitely definitely good. But and then we go down to Spidey fighting the kid cyborg, and uh, kid cyborg looks more like something out of his uh, Charlton days with uh, Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch than a, you know because it's just so cartoony, you know. Well, and I, I do love here that again his blam blam are in a kind of a Western style font. Well, the first um, one's Bam. Is it Bam? Bam and Blam. Oh, Bam Blam. Yeah. And then uh, when he when Spidey punches off the head, it's bam, blam, bomb. <laughs> he's got a like a, a steel skull. For some reason, they reminded me of the from Omac. Didn't he have the room where he had the dummies or something, and people were beating him? It was the yeah. uh, uh, you could take out your frustrations and just tear stuff up. And for some reason, that reminds me of uh, the dummies he had drawn in that one. Yeah. Then we get. Which is something right out of, uh, if you've ever read Stephen King Night Shift, there's this short story called Battlefield, or Battlefront. It's Battlefield. It's like this, where toy soldiers attack somebody. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I never saw that myself. I'm, I'm looking at, at page 16, which is my favorite page in the whole book. Uh, number one, the sound effects in there are just amazing. There's Badoom. 
there's Kweping, and then there is one that's Thaka Kadatha Karnataka. <laughs> I can't even say it all because it's almost Im- unpronounceable. Anyone going to give I that a try? I think that's supposed to be it. Uh, it's 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 somewhat it's, it's the soldier down there shooting the machine gun. Thaka de Thaka Katata. Yeah. <laughs> Hakuna Matata. Right. It's like it, I think it's supposed to be like the machine gun sound, like a rat a tat tat tat. Yeah. Now this um, this whole page get, it has me thinking about uh, Omac, which you were just talking about in the, mm-hmm. the opening battle sequences of Omac. But at the bottom of the page, when he tears the wall out. Look at how the sound effect is ripped. And that's what, if there's anything that says that Byrne did this, that Byrne did the sound effects, that right there is it. Because it's the sound effect itself getting ripped as well. And that's just cool. And, of course, you got the Byrne tech behind the wall. uh, Here in my copy, where the scanning cup, where the blacks don't, the blacks look a little uh, faded. They don't look as nice and rich as they should be. Yeah. well, I mean, the thing is, they're not black. Uh, the only true black that we get in there is when it's, when Spidey's in shadow relief in the last yeah, panel. Yeah, so I mean, when he, when he when he first kind of he's first peeking in, and he's and you see yeah. a background with the that they yeah, that the blacks on mine are a little uh, kind of faded and washed uh, out, faded and, and kind of distressed. Yeah, but then it, I do like his kind of gray tones. He comes up with while Spidey's in this. Jeffrey's tube. Yeah, um, Kirk, did you have any thoughts here? You got real quiet. Not really. I've been just been following along. Yeah, you're curing it. Now, what is this thing on 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 page seventeen, bottom left? It's like a pneumatic tube or something. That's the warp core. That's the warp core. <laughs> well, I, I will take issue with this too, where he says. Uh, says, heck, my training is in biology, not electronics. It's a triumph for me just to replace my fuses by getting electrocuted. Yeah. Well, Spidey has shown in the past that he's, yeah, that may not be his main study, but he's he made, not He made the stupid. web shooters. Um, yeah, and the spider tracer, he, so he, he knows something. Jim Shooter has written him as shutting down a nuclear reactor, uh, but that was, of course, Superman Spider-Man, so I don't know if you want to say that's the same world or not, but... I, you know, no. I mean, this is just the writer doing their own liberty, and, and Chris yeah. Claremont was never one that I understood it that would go back and read back issues to determine something. He would just basically go and hope that the editor is going to correct anything that he puts in there that's wrong. Well, and he's worried about worrying. You know, where where do I? I, don't, I need to know enough about this to know how to sabotage it. Now, when you sabotage stuff, you just start tearing things up. Yeah, which is exactly what he should do. Yeah, well, I mean, that's um, what he does do. Yeah, he starts ripping. And that bottom uh, right panel were, uh, again, with the uh, sound effects, where it's, it's the floosh, <laughs> yeah. and it's flowing in with the water. You see his boots. Um, Captain Bertam, when he finds out he's, you know, he's got two. And on the the next page, I thought, again, Byrne was doing some paying attention to what he's doing. The bottom right panel where Captain Bertam's kind of, uh, he's submerged in water kind of up to his nose. Mm-hmm. He's done that distortion effect where his head is is distorted from yeah. the image below. Like if you're looking at something in water, light refraction, offset. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's a nice. Um, I get yeah. confused when Spidey keeps referring to Cap, and then they show a close up of red boots. I yeah. thought Captain America was arriving. He keeps talking about Cap, and my mind goes to Cap. America every time, but that's yeah. It's like he's going to have to. He calls him CB at one point. Yeah, that just doesn't roll off the tongue that good. 
Okay, on the bottom of page 22, we've got Courtney inside the glass tube, and there's a couple of letters just in front of her. H-A-D. Do we know what this is spelling out? I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's anything significant with that. I couldn't find anything um, because I, I did a lot of digging trying to find stuff. But unfortunately, uh, even on his website, there's not a whole lot in regards to uh, the, these stories. And he basically gives as much credit to Claremont in writing it uh, that he does. He says the story was 90% Claremont's. The, the, the thing that was mostly his was the uh, idea that every time he tells his origin, it's a different one. Kind of like what what's mm. supposed to be done with the Joker later. Joker. Yeah. But I, I do like on the bottom of page 22 in the bottom left panel where he says, As the thing once told me, as the thing told me once upon a time, when in doubt, smash everything and pray you're somewhere else when it all goes bluey. <laughs> I just I just do love that line. I want to ask you guys on the upper right panel with that close up of Arcade where he's yelling at his assistants to leave him alone because he's kind of into the game. Yeah. Does he look like does that not look like Chucky? Okay. That face? I, I get three things, all right. Um I get Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange and I I do get Chucky, but I also get Carrot Top. Yeah. So I mean yeah, he's he's got such a rounded face. He does. He draws him with very rounded, almost flat kind of a uh, pie, uh, kind of a skillet kind of face. That yeah. Um, but he, but he was definitely thinking Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork Orange though when when he was putting that together, the crossing that with Elton John from Pinball Wizard. Which is interesting. He didn't make him a Brit. He could easily have made him British if he's doing if he's if he's uh, influencing by. Elton John and Malcolm McDowell, but he made him uh, an American. Otherwise, why would he be in America? I mean, well, he could be, you know, he could operate anywhere, you know, I guess. But, but I, I think that point. he definitely has the same realtor as Lex Luthor because, you know. It, <laughs> well, it's wherever the realtor is that supplies all these underground hideouts, there's got to be a, a, a black market or, you know, a, kind of something on the dark web when you're looking for. Yeah. How many, I mean, how many abandoned hideouts are there throughout Manhattan. Well, all the ones Norman Osborne has. Yeah, he had a little literate. You think New York would come up with a special task force just to try to root that stuff out? You know, they would just be looking for suspicious activities or unexplained electrical surges or, you know, things like that. There's got to be. But that I mean, I think takes the fun out of the out of the comics, but Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see, we go to page, what, 26, no, no, 20, 23, and Spidey's come out in the hallway. Now, this one kind of, you know, kind of threw me for a little bit because he's getting close to Arcade. I mean, he basically, he's by the door that we get him to Arcade. Arcade presses a button, and it opens up another door beside him, showing him Captain Britain's plight, which means that Captain Britain is right next to Arcade. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you th- realize that Murder World is not as big as you might think it is. And it, 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 it also occurred to me when Spider-Man punched the hat off of the the kid cyborg robot, and you saw the metal top of the head. Yeah. Um, that you know yeah. everything here is you know it's it's you get the illusion, but it, probably on the other side of it, you know there there's no dressing, and it's just like you know done not necessarily on the cheap. 
but you know they're not you know doing they're not spending top dollar. This is not Jurassic Park where they spared no expense, except with the no. Movie it's, a, it's a movie set. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a movie set like uh, stuff that Mysterio would come up with when he was screwing with Spider Man. Yep, yep. And then at this point, Captain Britain is completely underwater, and Byrne does not do the water refraction with Spider Man in the background though. But I don't know if that's actually the layer no. of the water. No, no, that's not that. It's still underwater. You're just looking at that's, it. Yeah, they're just looking up through the water, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because he's still operating the uh, the controls. Yeah, we get a classic flip. And the next page has got a squeak and a snacked, looks like, yes. And when it's, when Spidey is warning them of the uh, when the gas is about to hit, uh, whoever has inked the spider sense, they've got, to, got it backwards. Because it's usually not portrayed that way. Usually, it's it radiates and it, it the side that tapers off. Come as from. It, yeah, yeah, right. Mm. But interesting. Um, and or if you were to go, it'd be half Spidey's face, half Peter's face. But that's another story. Well, I think I think Dicko only did that when he was in his Peter Parker. True. Uh, Peter Parker persona. He would get the the, the half Spidey face. Yeah. Um, yep. And on the next page where everything blows, basically Arcade just ignoring, he's like every villain. He's like, I'm too into my game. And his his helper there, Mr. Chambers, is like, hey, this place is, you know, we got problems here. And then it does. It just goes, it just, just erupts. Um, when Spidey rips open the panel, and I, and I didn't get this at first, and I guess that leads to the sewers. Yeah. And he says. He pulls the Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I said it's a Star Wars. I said, that's how you know it's in 77 because he's, he's quoting uh, Han Solo. And earlier on, I, I, I almost forgot to mention this. At the very beginning, uh, when on that big splash page where you see the big pinball machine mm-hmm. and <clears throat> Arcade just fixed to release the balls, he says, Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, Arcade proudly welcomes you to Murderworld. I could not read that without hearing Andy Leyland intro <laughs> to <laughs> World Palace of Glittering Delights. Unfortunately, when I read that, um, I was uh, thrown back to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, where the guy goes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls oh. of all ages, dying times here. Time. Basically. Yeah, this is basically Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah. What year was Thunderdome versus when this uh, comes Mid-80s. Out? Yeah, late 80s, probably. Yeah. Road Warrior was 82, so... It was like 86, 87. It was, yeah. He had just done a lethal weapon. Uh, yeah. So it's probably 80, 86, 87. Is probably, you're probably right, Brian. Yeah. And then, of course, I, I really... On, on page 30, I really love the image of both their fists punching up the manhole cover, but it really makes no sense. If you've ever, Dang, gone, yes. if you've ever gone up a manhole, you know that yeah, it's, it's one person at a time kind of thing. But that really, really looks cool. And just so happens a cop is right there when they come out and, of course, wants to uh, arrest them all. But Gene DeWolf shows up also, like, not even a minute later to, uh, you know, save the day, get everybody out and, you know, tell Spider-Man he can go on his way. And I've always, Gene DeWolf was a favorite of mine. I'm still mad at Peter David for killing her. Yeah. Is that the Sin Eater storyline? Anyway, uh, and then we get to our last page, and you know, you know, it's nice of Gene DeWolf not to comment that these people probably smell like a sewer right now. <laughs> well, and I also had a question on where is I'm assuming it was taken away from him. Where is um, Britain's scepter? Does it 
I mean, it obviously shows up when he uses the amulet and transforms, it appears. But if they take it away from him, can he, if he reverts back to Brian and then reverts back again, does it show up again? So, I mean, I'm assuming Arcade took it so he wouldn't have a web, but he didn't take Spidey's web slingers. No. So, I mean, web spinners. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, that is very interesting. But then, you know, Spider-Man's web shooters are, for the most part, concealed. True. And if he's not familiar with, if he's not familiar with him, and, he, and Arcade doesn't seem like he cares. Well, he didn't um, expect to get Spider-Man. It's true. Which is another problem. At the beginning, he says that he's being paid a million bucks to kill uh, this Brian Braddock. And he goes, how much do you think they'll pay when they, when I uh, pay for the uh, good captain himself plus Spider-Man to boot? Yeah, well, if no, your contract, yeah, you got to negotiate on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you show up and say, "Hey, I killed both of them," they're like, "Well, you only we're only gonna pay you for the one." <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would have mind. He he was all about the game. No, and that would just help his, I guess, reputation as, as an assassin that he killed Spider Man. Yeah. Now uh, um, we we didn't mention, of course, we're looking at the last page where. Spider-Man leaves the scene, and Captain DeWolf takes Captain Britain and, and Courtney away. <clears throat> and then you see uh, Arcade, Locke, and uh, what's the guy's name? Chambers? Chambers. And um, you know, Arcade basically says, you know, we're going to you know, rebuild Murder World and get Spider-Man back for a rematch. As he swirls his, uh, what do you call that, a straw hat on his cane like a yeah. salad plate. And Do you have a red swatch right next to that hat on your copy, a misprint. Yeah, um, on the 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 original print, it's like that, um, but I don't think it's on the uh, digital copy. No, it's not. Okay. Not on the digital. But uh, all in all, a great great story. Uh, you know, I mean, this is one of those two issue stories that is just fun Marvel at the fun time. Um, just uh, really, really in- enjoyable. Who was Shooter Editor-in-Chief at this point in time? I didn't see his name in the credits he was. at all. Um, if he was, they probably would have had his, his credit. Yeah, because not even on Mike's Amazing World, it doesn't say anything there. Um, I'll have to go to the Marvel Wiki and take a look here real quick. But let me take a look at the letters page and if it says anything there. He might have there. been just starting out, because I think he started around 78, didn't he? Uh, if that's the case, then this would have been probably... If not Archie Goodwin, it would have been Roy Thomas or uh, Jerry Conway. Yeah. Uh, I meant to bring this up. On uh, My pages are not lettered or numbered. It's the page where Spidey is first being attacked by all the war, the planes and the tank and the little soldiers. And he, the page where he rips the, uh, the, the scenery off the side. Yeah. And I had to look this up. He says, like uh, like everything else I've seen in this, this Verschluggen murder world this stuff is uh is part real part illusion i had to look that up for for schlugen is yiddish for schlugen for schlugener is yiddish for something that's kind of worn out and used up and old hmm even even the marvel wiki doesn't state um let me just do a, a quick google search Marvel Editors-in-Chief. They don't do it in a timeline. Let's see, Jerry Conway. Kirk, did you read this off the stand when it was, first came out? No, my first arcade was 
the X-Men story, which I also got in retrospect. I had to, to work backwards to get it. And then Spidey's comment saying, oh, I recognize that. Spatang made me realize there had to have been a Marvel team-up or something that, that I had not seen. So I was not familiar with this. I was playing catch-up. Yeah, same way. with me. We mentioned that last episode. I always, I always associate Arcade with the X-Men. I didn't realize that, that this was his first appearance. It came out of this book, and then he, you know, and I wouldn't say he's a A-list villain, but he's, no. you know, he high is, C or B. The back of his chair, though. <laughs> okay. Which is very comfortable. It, yeah, okay, so Archie Goodwin was the editor-in-chief from 76 to 78, and then Jim Shooter took over in Shooter. 78. So Archie oh. Goodwin, uh, while being editor of the book, was also editor-in-chief at that time. So that makes sense, the way that they did that. Well, that's back when they were they were transitioning. I mean, mm-hmm. from like Thomas, and then it was was it Len Wayne or was yeah, it Roy Thomas? Terry Conway. Roy Thomas was seventy two to seventy four after Stan Lee retired. Uh, Len Wayne seventy four to seventy five. Marv Wolfman seventy five seventy six. Jerry Conway seventy six. Archie Goodwin, then Jim Shooter, then Tom DeFalco, and all that. Bob yeah, Bob Harris, kind of rotating. Axel Alonso, and C.B. Sabolski. Who's been doing it now for five years? But yeah, good Already? story. Good story. Good art. Moves along. It uh, it seems like there's more to this. You said it's just 17 pages. It's dense. It seems like there's more going on when you're first reading it. Well, I mean, virtually every page has like seven panels yeah. of, of of action, and then you've got. Well, there's how many pages were in the first book? Seventeen. Both of them were, were seventeen each. Okay. This seems like there's a lot going on. Yep. There is a lot. A lot of dialogue. But this is uh, this is you know it's not decompressed like today's stuff. It is a compressed storyline. Um, when we were when we Tim and I first started this show, the first uh, story that we did was Avengers one sixty four through one sixty six, which was the Count Nefarious Superman story, mm-hmm. and that was three issues and. They were so compact, so compressed. There was so much in there that that could today would have been a twelve issue maxi series. You know, just crazy. This right here would have been at least six issues. Um, mm-hmm. You know, done today. So I mean, it's just you know, it's it's a testament to how comic books were done back then, and how they were in 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 my opinion superior to the storytelling that we're getting today. Well, when you're when you're writing, when they're writing for a trade, you you're, you know, I think your thought is, I need to I need to stretch this out to four or five issues so we can bind it up and sell it, mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm gonna tell a good story and you have to get you know you have to get in and get out, tell your story, and then move on to the next one, which is good because to your point of, if you think of the the target market is they may be picking these up sporadically, they're not picking every issue up, you may. You either want to tell your story in one issue or the two at the most, so that uh, you know because you're buying from the at this time you're buying from newsstands, from I guess bookstores might have had these, and who knows if you how readily they were available. You didn't have, I don't think you had at this time uh, brick and mortar comic shops. Yeah, they were starting to pop up, but they were a lot, a lot more fringe, and you know they had yeah. the the. the they they did get like the the newsstand delivery. There wasn't direct market you know delivery until the eighties. 
Um, and so the the nice thing about those is that they got every book, um, but they they weren't differentiated. The only place they got differentiated, I think, at the time, was like when you sold something in those Whitman samplers, the three three books in a plastic bag that you could mm-hmm. buy at like a Stuckey's or <laughs> you know the other places uh. that were like along the road or toy stores or whatever. Um, but I don't think that there was direct market. Uh, uh, sales then, so it was all newsstand, and that's why pretty much yeah, always will have the barcode down in the yeah. corner. Because because I didn't really start buying comics till eighty three, eighty four, and by then they we already had a comic shop I was going to. Now, if you look um, at the cover, we we really didn't talk about the cover at all, and the cover is so interesting because it is a burned cover, but except for a few things, it doesn't necessarily look like a burned cover. I mean, Arcade himself is the one thing that says to you, okay, this is Byrne, uh, in, in, in his shape, his hair, all that. But the, the skulls up there on Murder World and even the character figures don't necessarily look like Byrne figures. I think Bertan does. He looks, his pose and the way he's drawn. Yeah, yeah, I can see um, the, in the torso and such. But I think some of the shading around the bumpers, the flippers, I can't tell if that's Zipatone or just heavily inked. But that doesn't look, I mean, they, they look like they're going for kind of a bronze look. And that doesn't quite, um, and it's interesting how the 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 background for Murder World, I guess this is supposed to be the, the doesn't match what he's drawn inside. Because it obviously has got Arcade's face on it with a huge bow tie. Yep. And, and the me- a meat cleaver, <laughs> a gun, and a noose. <laughs> now the noose did show up on the pinball machine. It did, because the guy was holding it. Yeah. And he had, and the cleaver was... I think in the game itself, but uh, it's not it's not as good a cover as the previous one, which was that Perez cover. It was a little more dynamic. I would love to have seen the original pencil cover before Frank Giacoya got a hold of it. Now, I'm looking in the the, the reprint, which was uh, the the Kindle version of the trade paperback Marvel team ups. Now, I don't see Burns' signature in there, and I'm just kind of looking around. In the bottom left corner, under the where the UPC code, uh, it looks like there's, it's the the round part where the flipper starts. And I'm wondering if Byrne had tried to insert. It looks like he did put his initials in there, but it's very hard to read in uh, in anything. And obviously, in the in the uh, the uh, the the scanned copy, it's cut off, so you can't see it. Yeah. But um, this, like I said, this is pretty heavily inked. It's, it's a lot of blacks. Yeah, but let me let me take a picture of this and send it to you guys real quick. Vamp for a moment, if you don't mind. Well, what do you want, Tim? What do you want to vamp on? Uh, I don't know, Kirk. What did you think? We haven't heard from you. What did you think of this? Uh, when had, this is not your first time to read this story, is it? Uh, first time that I can review that I remember reading it in detail. I didn't know who Captain Britain was, although I was around for her resurfacing just before Avengers Assembled. Uh, as you recall, she chooses a sword, and she has to give up her family. And so she's struggling to adjust to come into the Avengers, and they just sweep her off the table. Just, you know, Bendis is not interested in her. He's not writing that story. He's got an entirely different plot going. So the whole development of, of Captain Britain is just shelved. Hmm. Uh, recognize that in hindsight so you know I was never into the character although I tried to get into Excalibur when it first came out it was just a little too goofy a little too weird for me I loved Alan Davis but I did not continue to buy it 
because it just seemed to be too steeped in in lore or other stuff that you needed to know. And I was into the X Men, and so I didn't I didn't include it in my umbrella. I that's what I liked about Excalibur, except I think I dropped off after Davis left. I was there mainly for him for his artwork. How long was it? But yeah, it was a little. It was a little, and they were really trying to differentiate themselves, I think, from the X Men because it was they had their own little universe, much like Alpha Flight. Except I don't think as successfully as Alpha Flight, they embraced the. I think it was being in Britain. Yeah, I think it was Claremont trying to write with the British sensibility, even though as as a yeah. as an expatriate, you know, expatriate, he was uh, removed from that. I think you know that he hadn't yeah. been around it that much. Now maybe Nigel yeah. shed some light on that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get his perspective. So tell us what you think. My my own thing was I didn't um, get to read this until the reprint in Marvel Tales, and my my first experience with Arcade and Murder World was the the second Cochrane run, which was around one forty five, um, and so I you know got back to read the uh, this right here, this one in in the Marvel Tales, and then. Uh, the X Men uh, 122 I bought years later. Didn't get to read it until years and years later. Um, so yeah, it's like I kind of got all this out of order. But I really, uh, again, I've always enjoyed it. Um, you know, once I did get around to reading it, I always kicked myself for not buying those in the first place. I do think I have them now, though. So um, that's interesting. What in which? Go ahead. Which one ends with Colossus and or Iliana? being ejected in um, in Christmas packages or something that that opens with a split uh, at the end of the story. Okay, uh, you know what? Eliana was kidnapped um, in the uh, X Men 145. I want to say, and I'll have to, I, I can look at that real quick if you, if you don't mind bearing with me. I just recall that, that there's some sort of a comment saying, "Oh, look, he's given up. He's released his hostages." And it's like a sort of anticlimactic, or you know, oh, it's over with. So we won't pursue him anymore because we got our loved ones back. And it's like wrong. He's a criminal. Well, I mean, you you have to think about it. They re- rescued Ilyana from from arcade there, and Ilyana was a near infant. I mean, she was she could speak a little bit, but she was a child, and uh, she got aged later. Right, going through uh, limbo and yeah. all that. I don't want to even get into that. That's yeah. another. But yeah, that was all in the in the the, the later issues. And of course, uh, yeah. Now I just saw the part where um, Arcade had struck a match on Doom's armor and survived, yes. and that should have let us know that's, that was not that's... <laughs> that was not Doom. That was a Doombot. I mean, that's what Byrne did later. Is he wrote that as it, as it was a Doombot. Uh, right. to, to fix that because he would never have allowed someone to do that to him. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty neat bit, both both in how he addressed it, but also, um, yeah, it was out of character. The whole Doom appearance is out of character, you know, kidnapping. So apparently at one point, he uh, Arcade is captured by Doom or threatened by Doom, and he recruits the X-Men... To help him, that may be the Colossus and Kitty you're referring to. Well, Colossus was on the Doom side, and because you had two different stories going on at once, you had the X Men that were dealing with Doom, where Storm had gone off and she'd had wine with Doom, 
and, and was speaking to him. And the Doombot was even, you know, saying, hey, she's kind of hot, you know. Um, <laughs> and then you had the Murder World storyline that had all the backup characters. You had Iceman, you had Polaris and Havoc, you had the Banshee without his power. So he's just walking around in a black suit and a, and a, a, a gun uh, going in, going through Murder World. Right. So it was um, it, it definitely different. It was weird because I definitely got a Sean Connery feel out of, you know, like Never Say Never Again, Sean Connery feel out of Banshee in that one. That makes kind of sense, too, considering, you know, Connery's Scottish background and all that. Anyway, what did you guys think of this issue? We had a lot of fun covering it. Um, we, of course, we always love going back to this age of Marvel. Um, we'd like to know what you think, and Nigel, you, you especially. Uh, and like I said, we got we got some plans coming up, so uh, we'll be in touch. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that we need to say? Nope. No, I, I, I just looking at the, the wiki, I would, and, and I guess I always forget that Byrne and Claremont did so many of these team ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think, oh, they just did a couple, but no, they did they did quite a few. Uh, the next two are also Burning Claremont, which is uh, sixty six, sixty eight, and I don't want to say we do them next next time. The iron, but just, that's the Iron Fist, isn't it? No, no, it's uh, Tigra. Is oh, next. yeah, Tigra in, in Cra- with, Tigra. with Craven the Hunter. Yeah, and then uh, Man Thing, and then that leads right up to oh, yeah, Man Thing, Spidey and Havoc, which we've already covered. So I just think sometime this year we could cover those next two, and that would kind of button it up to. Uh, the ones we've already covered with, uh, or maybe that's another back to the bins. Well, we want to cover we, one of those. I think we well, we're going to have to look at doing those Marvel two in ones, and with the thing, and then we can we can also um, kind of sit there and, and jostle that with the George Perez ones that mm-hmm. were, that were Marvel two in ones because you know that would, and that would give us a chance to get you know Nigel on uh, as we've spoke about so we, that that we can you know talk about those things because I think that's a uh, Something that we that we should cover this year. Um, to update everybody, I, I think we did on the last one. But I'm going to go ahead and go over this again. Byrne did have his first round of uh, cataract surgery um, about two weeks ago, and it was successful. Uh, he definitely notices a brightness of color that he hadn't you know seen in years. Uh, he's going to get the other eye done uh, here very soon, but he's probably not going to be releasing any elsewhere until late summer and that's just number one to you know recover from this which shouldn't take too long but he wants to get like four issues ahead and he had been in the past you know far ahead but when he started moving storylines around in everything it kind of you know he kind of lost that pad and so he wants to build it back up again and that's just to you know, so he can feel comfortable with what he's doing in case he does have to make changes down the road. Now, the interesting part of this is it really looks like he doesn't have um, an end in mind yet. He looks like he's got plenty of stories still to tell. Uh, if he had been doing this as part of X-Men, he would have gotten past issue 150 by now. Uh, but it, now he, he's on issue, I think, what, 34 of Elswin. He'll probably at least be able to get up to issue 50. Um, but yeah, and like I said, I don't, I don't see him as running out of storylines. He's got, he keeps getting things that keep popping up in his head that are good stories to tell, or at least in his mind, good stories to tell. Not everybody has been think, as, as gracious, but I've enjoyed it. 
Well, I think he'll just do it as long as he's inspired. Yeah. You know, once that inspiration goes, and sometimes you have to set it aside for a while and then come back to it. Um, somebody had posted, and I, I think it was a current picture of them visiting his studio. Uh-huh. Uh, it was on Facebook, and it was uh, a couple guys, and I didn't, honestly didn't know, I didn't pay attention because I was looking at the pictures, but it was a couple guys were visiting his studio, which is, if you've ever seen, it's just full of all kinds of toys and just yeah, his stuff that he's inspired by. And it's interesting, it was the only reason I caught my eye is in the back, he's got a shelf full of toys and figures and models and things. He Where must be Connecticut? Yeah. Somewhere, because yeah. it said... Well, I should have sold uh, tickets for that tour. I have to sign well, up I don't, for that. I don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's possible, but he must be a Gary Anderson fan. Yeah. Because he has got uh, Thunderbird 2, Fireball XL5 or 5, and... Uh, Penelope. He's got Lady Penelope and Parker in their car, that pink whatever that pink Rolls Royce or whatever it was that, from the show. So he's he's a fan of uh, Super Mary Nation, apparently. Well, he's out of the right age in the right country. I yeah. remember those from my childhood, but very very young, very early age, early 60s. Well, yeah. shall we wrap this up? Yeah, I think we've done a, a good job of covering it. This is a good follow-up, mm-hmm. uh, fun story, lots of action, good introduction to Arcade, a uh, little more. We don't get much more on Captain Britain, but this, these two issues certainly did introduce introduce him to American readers. Uh, and I'm, I'm really interested to hear what uh, Nigel thinks of this being a... Uh, yeah, I, I actually have one more note on Captain Britain that I hadn't hadn't voiced, and it, and it's really not in regards to this issue, but just in Captain Britain overall, is that, you know, here when you see him with Spider-Man, there are two superheroes, both, you know, he's a little bit bigger than Spider-Man, you can see he's a little beefier than Spider-Man, but when you see him later in the, the X-Men books and uh, in Excalibur and all that, he is just freaking huge. Yeah. He's big. Yeah, just yeah. a massive guy. And I think that also threw me off. I just, I didn't like that. And I like these this costume better. But that's just me. You know, I'm an American. I don't know anything. <laughs> well, I, I think you would, uh, well, I agree that his later costume is much better. I think you could attribute that to Wait, him being. His later costume is much better or not better? Is better. The one with the, the, the more of the red, white, and blue oh. with the high, the big Wellington boots and the I, more of a, I'm not a fan. kind of a guardian type. I'm definitely not a fan. You don't like no, that one? I like, I like the original. I I just think the other one looks more, I like the larger emphasis on the Union Jack. Um, you know, maybe that's because that's more I was introduced to him. That's, you know, his my first costume with him. So, But I think you could argue in this, he's a college student, so maybe he's 18, 19. So he's... He hasn't quite matured and filled out. Yeah. And then they, you know, because later he's, to your point, he's like Schwarzenegger size. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That's a good way to put it, Schwarzenegger size. Yeah, that, I like that. That is, that is a good way to put it, yeah. It, it just throws me off, that's all. But that's just me. Um, yeah, you're in the... You're the minority. You're alone. You have to leave me. <laughs> what do you as the listeners think? We'd really like to hear from you, and you, there's so many ways that you can let us know. You can you can just respond to our post in Facebook about this episode. Just tell us what you think there. Or you can write us at our Gmail account, gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a five-star review 
at Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. Now, if you give us a five-star review, that makes it so other listeners can more easily find our show, that it can suggest to them, hey, if you like this, you'll like these guys. So please give us a review there. We really, really need it. It really helps to give us better exposure out there in the world. Um, I like where we're at, but I'd like us to have more. So we want to hear your feedback. We want to know what you like, what you didn't like, what you want us to do, what you don't want us to do, and, you know, how Kurt should, you know, uh, maybe, you know, drink something beyond the the juicy juice stuff he's been drinking. I don't know. It's kind of kiddie there, Kirk. And I will say our offer still stands. If you leave us a five-star review, you can pick a book and we will cover it. Yeah, and if you leave us a recipe, Uh, we'll cook it. That's right. We did. Somebody left the very first show. Somebody left a recipe for cookies, and I can't remember what they were called, but I made them. And they were pretty good. Were those the, the burnt only... that I sent in? What? The burnt cookie recipe that I sent in? I don't recall. Uh, it wasn't from you, Kirk. It was from somebody else. But I'd have to look at. I, I thought it was a picture. British cookie kind of thing. You know, it was. It was something like a like a uh, a biscuit. Um, yeah, more of a more of a. But that's been so long ago, I can't remember. But. Kirk, if you've got a recipe, send it. Send it again. It just might. All right, we'll see you. All righty, thanks. Uh, yeah, Tim, do you want to bring us out? Sure. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, as always, we we do this because we love what we're doing and we love sharing with you guys. So again, that's why it's nice to hear feedback because it's kind of hard to be creative in a vacuum. So especially if you think we're doing something that's terrible, let us know. And we'll try to course correct. But thank you for listening. And for Third Degree Burn, I am Tim Elliott. I'm Kirk Greenfield. And I'm Brian Hughes. you got to say something else. Good night. There you go. <laughs> or good day. Or have a, have a good weekend, I guess. Go out and have some fun. Get out in the sunshine. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.